0: You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org.
1: Hey, hey, listen, worship is the fuel that you need to get through what you're going through. I want to encourage you to worship not only on Sundays with a family, your church family, but worship all throughout the week when you're driving in your car, connect with the Lord. He loves you far more than you would dare to even believe. I want to encourage you... uh, to help share that message to other people too. We're entering into a grand opening season. September 10th is going to be our grand opening start. Yeah, you guys can celebrate that. And uh, it's gonna be a real special time. We're gonna um, debut our 9-11 Memorial Cross on the campus uh, that we built last year. Uh, We're gonna have a special time in the service uh, to preach a message on the cross, um, the symbol of faith, hope, and love for our community at large. Eight, eight, about 80,000 people drive by our property every, every day. Uh, next week during Memorial, or Labor Day weekend, there's going to be about double that, 160 plus thousand people driving by. Uh, we're entering into grand opening season. I want to encourage you to be inviting friends and family in the service as well. We're going to be honoring first responders uh, here from the Phoenix Valley that are also in our church, men in uniform. Uh, we will be here, and we're going to honor those men. We partner with the community. We love our community. We pray for our law enforcement. We pray for our government. And so it is really important this Sunday. You do not want to miss that Sunday. Uh, you got a Join Us card. I want to encourage you uh, to, before you leave here today, make sure you grab one of these and give it to a friend that's maybe disconnected from a church family or disconnected from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There's going to be baptisms on that Sunday. If you have not yet been baptized, this is a great Sunday to do that. You can register online and do that. Um, We're going to have two identical services. So a couple important things before we get started today. We're going to be continuing on in our message series. Uh, Dr. Randy Deal serves as one of our governing board elder members. Uh, You guys affirmed that uh, here in the recent past and he's here this morning to, to preach an incredible message. You're going to love it. His wife is going to be a part of the testimony in the, in the teaching time, too. It's going to be really, really powerful and sweet. Um, a couple of things real quick. A financial update. Over the last eight weeks, we hit a record high in giving for campus improvements, which has allowed us to uh, accelerate the process of a two-phase project to build those playgrounds for the kids. We've got, cru- we crushed our phase one goal. And so we're going to get those playgrounds built as soon as they get here. So let's celebrate that. And, uh, and we, we broke another record. We, we hit an all-time low in our general fund giving. And so uh, it's kind of like this. A lot of you guys, I don't know, but maybe it was like this. Maybe everybody was like, yay, kids, give towards the kids. And then they were like, oh, general fund, who cares about that fund? So you put your money, you're supposed to just put your money in this new fund called the Campus Development. And really, here's what happened is it looks like everybody went, yay. No, let me put the money in this side of the pocket. We just switched pockets. So we're going, to have, we're going to have to just, we can't do everything at once. Uh, we're going to have to slow down on our campus development until our general fund climbs back up. Does that make sense? So when that climbs back up, we'll reevaluate and we'll finish out at least phase two, um, but we've got phase one done. So um, let, me, let me encourage you to, uh, this morning I have my sister here, uh, from. she's a freshman at Grand Canyon University. Her name is Isabella. So, Isabella, would you please stand up? And everybody say hi Iza. hi, Iza. There you go. I'm so excited. My mom and dad are here. It's like she's the fifth kid, and like they spend the whole week getting her assimilated into GCU. I'm like, Dad, where was that when I was a kid? And he's like, Well, we learned it by the fifth time, you know. Um, I got a prescription here from my father. He's a psychiatrist back in Little Rock, a Christian psychiatrist. Um, I want to show you a picture of the campus. Um, When we purchased this campus two years ago, um, it was an incredible opportunity, but we couldn't do it, and so I had to go all in. I went back to Arkansas. We have about 60 acres my family owns, and I said, Dad, you gave me an inheritance. Could I cash in early and give all that money to the church? He came out here, saw the campus, saw it, and said, this is a must-have. You've got to have this, this campus Will cash in early. He wrote me a check for forty thousand dollars, and then wrote me a prescription, and it says uh, from his uh, from his desk, and it's a medical prescription, and he says win souls and change lives, and he signed it, Dr. Robert Rice. So let's give him a round of applause. Um, let me pray. Um, I'm so excited uh, to have Dr. Randy Deal here this morning. Um, he's going to bless us in this time as we're continuing on through the book of Daniel and learning about finding peace in an anxious world. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the ministry that you have here at North Valley. We are a growing family, and we're thankful that you are a great, good Father. We pray for this time of teaching and minister to our souls, and we'd enjoy it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Good morning, North
2: Valley. How's it going, Second Service? This is of lively crowd, right? I'm hoping so. So hey, we're in this series, as Pastor Ryan said, uh, living at peace in an anxious world. Um, And so right away, just go to Daniel chapter 3 in your Bible or on your Bible app or on the YouVersion app or whatever you brought with you and just sort of Hold that there. Uh, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3. And so, if anybody, you know me um, intimately anyway, you know I, I, I like to find the humor in life and I like to find the comical side of life and the lighter side. And so, I thought I'd start right off with that. And so, I found some of these, uh, these memes and these cards online. And so, I wanted to share some of these with you, uh, like this first one here. I try not to worry about the future, so I take each day just one anxiety attack at a time right? Or like this one, me, what could possibly go wrong? Anxiety, I'm glad you asked, right? Uh, I'm, I am not anxious, I'm just extremely well-educated about all the things that can go catastrophically wrong, right? Some of you can totally relate. Um, or how about this one, my anxiety gives me anxiety, right? Um, Apart from the overwhelming anxiety and debilitating panic attacks, I think I'm pretty well adjusted. Right? Oh, and this last one. Come on, inner peace. I don't have all day. Right? (laughs) And so we do live in an anxious world. We do. And, you know, many of you know that I'm also a pharmacist. And so I do drugs all week. I mean, I, I dispense drugs legally all week long. And so I know this all too well as a pharmacist and, and being in healthcare, Did you know that you know, every year in pharmacy world, we always track like, what are the top 200 drugs being dispensed in all the pharmacies in our country? Or, or what's the top 100? Um, 17% of the top 100 drugs that are dispensed in our country are for anxiety. In the top 10 drugs dispensed in our country, seven and eight are for anxiety. Seventh and eighth place. Anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness disorders diagnosed in the United States. Half of all employees from a range of industries report high levels of anxiety at work. Some of you are like, amen. One out of every three adults age 18 to 54 in the United States have issues with anxiety. One out of three. That's over 70 million people. Half of all college students seek help for anxiety issues. Sorry, Isabella. Half of all North Americans take medications for anxiety. Not to mention all the recreational stuff that they try to self medicate with drugs, alcohol, and marijuana. We live in an anxious world, don't we? How do we live at peace in our anxious world? And that's why Pastor Ryan put this message series together. Living at peace in an anxious world. Looking at the life of Daniel. And so if you missed week one or week two, I encourage you, go online, go on the website, click on resources, messages, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, and catch up. But week one, part one, we looked at, uh, Pastor Ryan talked about making it through the hard times. And looking at it, Daniel chapter one, and how God doesn't promise to bail you out, but to help you out. Um, he said, God wants to help us get through what we're going through, right? He wants to help us get through what we're going through and how Daniel lived in peace in his anxious world with his his unfailing conviction, his uncommon favor, unhindered persistence, unblemished faith, unusual test, unmeasurable blessing, and unlimited influence. And then last Sunday, he took us through Daniel chapter 2. Keep courage in the crisis. He defined courage as courage is not the absence of fear. It's the presence of courageous faith. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Courageous faith and how we need to thrive, not just survive during the hard times. He took us through those eight essentials of how to keep courage in crisis, like keep your composure and be confident. Seek godly counsel, give commendation, show compassion, give credit where it's due to God. Courageously communicate, have godly co-workers. Today we land in Daniel 3. So, in your Bibles, on your Bible lap, Daniel chapter three. Let me just give you the take-home truth right up front: a courageous faith is a tested faith. A courageous faith is a tested faith. Daniel chapter one, chapter three, starting in verse one. I'm going to read the entire chapter. So, picture it, Sicily. 19, no, picture it, Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth six cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Verse 3, then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Verse 4, and the herald proclaimed aloud, you are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and they worshiped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Verse 8, therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, no guitar, no drums, no bass, that's cool, um, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning fire or furnace. Well, there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Verse 13, Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who? who? He should not have asked this question. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Verse 16. Verse 16, 17, 18. These are the key verses for this morning. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king. I think it went something like this. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. We have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, that's the most powerful verse in the whole chapter. But even if he doesn't, be it known to you, O king, that he, we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, verse 19, was filled with fury and the expression of his face changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I bet it did. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the fiery furnace. And then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments and they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the fiery furnace. But then verse 24 comes. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men Bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men, unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Verse 26, then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Little attitude change. Shadrach, he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed. There wasn't even smell of fire had come upon them. Verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own God. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn from limb to limb, their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. We could close in prayer right now. See, the reality is many of us sitting in this room today may be going through a difficult time. One pastor friend of mine says, you're either coming out of a hard time, you're in the middle of a hard time, or you're going to go into a hard time. Amen? All of us, even as Christians, we believe we shouldn't have to suffer. Why do we have to go through these trials? Why do we have to go through this suffering? But Jesus said it himself in John 16, He said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Thanks, Jesus. But take heart. I have overcome the world. See, I don't know what it might be for you right now. You might be in a financial fire. Uh, You might be in a family fire. You might be in a relationship fire, a career fire, a, a marital fire. Don't elbow your spouse right now. You just can't figure out why things won't get better. You're doing everything you know you should do, and yet you're still struggling because you can't find peace in your anxious world. And so what do we do? What do we do when we're in the middle of it? Well, Scripture says in two places here. 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7, in this you rejoice. Really? You rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the, say this with me, tested. Tested genuineness of your faith. More precious than gold, that, that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And James, in James chapter 1, he said it this way. He said, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in Nothing. And so, Peter and James are telling us here that, oh, we're gonna have trials. There's gonna be fire. Our trials, though, they show us the genuineness of our faith. When you're going through, it's gonna test your faith. Is it real? Is it solid? What's the quality and the depth of your faith? When we keep the faith in the fire, it, and it will, it will bring much praise and honor and glory to Jesus. Our trials reveal our faith. Our trials will show that our faith is real. Because the take-home truth today is, a courageous faith is a tested faith. And so today I want to look at this tested faith in the lives of these three, the Bible calls men. Literally, they were teenage boys, like 14, 15. Teenage Jewish boys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And again, if you weren't here for weeks one or two, go listen to that. But remember in week one, Pastor Ryan talked about how evil King Nebuchadnezzar was. These boys and others, they had been kidnapped from their homeland, they had been taken to a whole different place. Their identity was changed, their names were changed, their diet was changed, their education was changed, everything was changed. Now King Nebuchadnezzar is building this big statue. This statue, those measurements, 90 feet tall and nine feet wide. That's like an eight-story building. That's 30 yards straight up in the air. That's a tall statue. And he says to every government leader, every advisor, every judge, every magistrate to come to the dedication. And then there in verses 4 through 6, we, we, when the herald shouts, when you hear the music, everybody needs to bow. And whoever doesn't, you'll be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And so everybody's bowing. Bazillions of people bowing, bowing down. Except these three teenage boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who continued to stand firm, even though they knew if they didn't, they'd be thrown into that fiery furnace. A courageous faith, is a tested faith. And so what I see here is four qualities that occur within our faith when we are facing seasons of trial and suffering and circumstance and pain and hurt. These four qualities. Number one, courageous faith obeys God, not man. Courageous faith obeys God, not man. If you're following along in your notes in your program or on the version app, that's the fill-in, God. And so everybody's bowing except these three boys. Verse 16 said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. What'd they say? We have no need to answer you in this matter. What? Anybody know or ever raised a cocky teenager? Right? That's pretty cocky. 14-year-old staring down a king. Their death is imminent, and they're saying, you know what, King? We don't even have to give you an answer. We don't have to give you an answer. This isn't between us and you. This is between us and God. Faith obeys God, not man. Listen, they didn't have to pray about it. They didn't have to think about it. They didn't have to talk to their friends about it. They didn't have to post a, a post on Facebook. Hey, I'm in this situation. What should I do? They didn't have to do any of that. They didn't have to talk to people. They had one predetermined plan, and that was to obey God, period, end of story. We will obey God no matter what. Courageous faith obeys God, not man. But listen, they didn't make that decision at that moment. They had made it all the way before in chapter 1. We read in chapter 1, verse 8, where it says, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him to not defile himself. They had already made that decision. So then when the fire was imminent, they could obey God. See, I, I, believe, I believe they could have compromised so easily. They're in a crowd of people. Everybody's bowing. They could have said, you know what, dudes, we better bow. Like, just bow. God knows our heart let's just bow. No. They could have said, look, let's just bow. And then tomorrow morning when we get up and we're guilt-ridden, we'll just ask God to forgive us. He knows our heart. No. They stood firm. We will honor and obey God. We will not follow what everyone else is doing. Because Christianity is a call to stand apart, not blend in, right? It's a a call to stand apart, not blend in. Are we going to stand or are we going to kneel? Standing firm in the fire, faith in the fire, what does it do? It obeys God, not man. Number two, courageous faith obeys God in spite of what it sees. It obeys God in spite of what it sees. There in verse 17, they speak to the king, if this be so, our God whom we serve is able... To deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. See, they're saying if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is He's able. God is able. Say that with me God is able. He's able to deliver us from this fire. But the second thing they say is, and He will. God will deliver us. No matter what I see, no matter what I believe, not only is God all powerful, but I believe He's willing to save me. And see, so what do we do? We trust God, number one, but number two, the second thing, our faith has to rise in these situations, and we believe with everything in us that my God is not only able to heal, but He's willing to heal. He's willing to deliver. God's not confined to the things that we can see. Courageous faith says God is with us. Our faith believes no matter what we see. Many of us, we find ourselves in these situations and we say, I bet many of you in this room would say, I believe in God. We believe in God, but do we believe God? Do we believe what he says he's going to do and that he'll do it? There's probably many of you in the room this morning who are struggling with doubt. We're lured into these thoughts that the things that we allow ourselves to think and the things that we allow ourselves to pray and and the things that we allow the circumstances around us to define, God's not confined to that. Right? What does Hebrews 11.1 tell us? Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. I mean, let's be honest. When we're in the middle of something, The hardest question is, what if God doesn't do what I'm believing him to do? What if he doesn't do it? What if you're believing God to heal someone and they die anyway? What if you're believing God to to bring your kid back to the faith and they seem to just get sucked further into their addiction and their rebellion? What, what What do you do then? I love what Pastor Tozer says. This is worth writing down. While it looks like things are out of control, behind the scenes there is a God who hasn't surrendered his authority. You hear what that's saying? A courageous faith obeys God, not man. A courageous faith obeys God in spite of what it sees. Number three, courageous faith trusts God. Oh, and this is gonna be the hard one for some of you, I know. Courageous faith trusts God with the outcome. Trusts God with the outcome. The outcome is God's. And see, that's key here because living out what God's called us to do, the, the life that He's purposed for us to live, that's our job. And that's where our job ends in obedience. The rest is up to him. What God does after that is where his job begins. Our job is to be obedient. His job is the outcome. What we read there in Daniel, in verse 18, I love this. Now remember, these guys, these 14-year-old boys are staring down this king saying, I believe my God is able. I believe my God is willing. And then verse 18, but if not, Even if he doesn't. Even if we still end up in the fire. Even if he doesn't. We will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. We will not. In other words, even if. Even if my God will save me. I believe my God wants to save me. But even if he doesn't. We want to make it very clear to you, O king, we will never, never, ever, ever bow down to you. Never. That's courageous faith. We will do what is right before God, and we will trust him with the outcome. Now, it's super easy for us to look at that and go, well, we know the outcome, because we just read the whole chapter. We know what happens. They didn't. They didn't know what was about to happen. In fact, the king gets so mad... He turns up the heat. He turns up the furnace seven times hotter than normal. He orders the soldiers to bind them up, they bind their hands and throw them into the furnace. They're going to be killed. The furnace was so hot. We read there the soldiers that actually threw them into the furnace burned up and died. That's hot. But then verse 24, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three bound into the fire? I see four. I see four men, unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the fourth is the appearance of the Son of the God, that the Son of Man, Jesus Himself. I love what Pastor Furtick says. He says, The presence of trouble does not prove the absence of God. Amen. The presence of trouble does not prove the absence of God. Listen, God will show you his power in all kinds of different ways through the course of your life, but you will know his presence, that tangible reality of the presence of Christ best when we are in the fire, when we're in the midst of it, when we're in the fire. So some of you are facing a fire right now. Some big, some small, and you're begging God to deliver you from this suffering. God, take this away. Deliver me, God, from, from this hurt, this pain. But could I propose this morning that perhaps the very thing that, that, that the very thing you want God to remove from you could be the very thing He wants to use to set you free to set you free. God will use everything. Right, Romans 8:28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. But the verse doesn't stop there. For those who are called according to his purpose. Listen, God does not deliver us from the fire. God delivers us in the fire. Let's say that together. God does not deliver us From the fire, God delivers us in the fire. Courageous faith obeys God, not man. Courageous faith obeys God in spite of what it sees. Courageous faith trusts God with the outcome. And here's why I know this is absolutely true. Because my wife and I, we live this. There was a time period at the end of last year where we went through some fires and the fires kept getting hotter and hotter and hotter. There were times, I'll be honest, it felt like I would have rather got burned up in a fire because it felt like hell. Because at least if I was burned up and dead, it would be over. But you got to hear what God did. Honey, would you come up? All right. Welcome my wife.
0: Good morning, North Valley. Um, Well, our fiery furnace uh, season started uh, in August um, of last year. year. Um, Our granddaughter, Layla Grace, was uh, born with Down syndrome, and um, she had three holes in her heart um, also. Um, I kept praying for God to heal her. I believed it so strongly that he would, that even up to the time she was born, I thought, she's just going to come out normal. Um, And so when God chose best and didn't heal her, um, I was mad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was mad he didn't listen to me. (laughs) But now just seeing her and the beauty and how perfect she is, you, you look back and go, what was I so mad about? There were so many things that, that happened in the four-month period that I, I literally, as I was preparing this, had to, had to just put it in list form. So I'm just going to read off the list to you guys. Um, the second thing that happened after our granddaughter was born, um, our adopted daughter uh, gave birth to a son two weeks later, and he was born uh, with cardiomyopathy. Um, eventually, he uh, will have to have a heart transplant. Our um, beloved Mama Sharon died from colon cancer. Randy's dad was diagnosed with a brain tumor and had brain surgery. One night I wake up um, in the middle of the night and my heart is, feels like it's just going to jump out of my chest. It's pounding so hard. And it uh, took about two hours for it to uh, go back to normal. Then my cousin is found dead in her bed. And we're the same age. Then our nephew um, started going blind and deaf. And they couldn't um, find out what the disease was. And he was at Stanford in California. And he's only 32 years old. Mind you, this is all going on in a four-month period. Then I wake up uh, in the morning with uh, just severe dizziness. I couldn't even lift my head up off the bed. And they diagnosed me with a benign po- uh, positional vertigo. Um,
2: I thought she was having a heart attack. It, she woke me up, sweating, couldn't raise her head. I was, I was reviewing the CPR in my head. I'm, I'm, about to do, I'm about to do compressions on my wife totally freaked out. She's an XER nurse. So she began to tell me, don't you do that unless I don't have a pulse, you know, all that. Um, Crazy. (laughs) First time ever in our life, had to call 911, have paramedics come in and all of that and take her out.
0: Then Randy's sister is diagnosed with brain lesions and possible multiple sclerosis. Then I get diagnosed with central and obstructive sleep apnea, and so I can't even use the regular CPAP machine because it makes me stop breathing completely. Then my father has a five-way heart bypass, um, and when he returns to the ICU, um, they announce a code blue, and we knew what room he was in, so we thought for sure our father was dead. They were able to revive him. Um, Then, um, by the fourth month, I start having severe abdominal pain, and now this rapid heart uh, rate is regular, um, coming on a regular basis. And then I have a CT scan, and they said, well, your gallbladder's dead. And uh, by the way, we also found a splenic aneurysm. So, going through all that... Listening to his sermon, I looked nothing like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> I was scared. I, had, I felt like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. Um, so to sum it up, I think Randy took all the stress and I got the anxiety. Mm-hmm. Randy shared a verse earlier in James where it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you, ca- when you meet trials of various kinds. And I read then and I thought, meet? I felt like I was like beat up or accosted in some dark alley, not met with some trials. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, it also says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, which is perseverance and endurance. And looking back, I see now that is exactly what God was do, doing to us at that time. Another thing I discovered, and he stole my line, is that I believed in God, but I didn't believe God or believe believe his word. Not really. I thought I did, but not until all these trials came did I realize that I was at times looking like a faithless Christian. What I am doing now is I am practicing to believe God. My theology is now going to match um, my reality, as Beth Moore would say. One, one, th- one other thing that I just want to say is sometimes as Christians, we feel like we shouldn't have anxiety or, or not, you know, we should have this strong faith like, like how the, you know, the, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But sometimes it's not like that. It is the, the trial that produces that faith in us. And um, I refuse to, to hide that I was a Christian with, with suffering from anxiety. And so, ultimately, ultimately, I learned that my anxiety was not going to be a curse, but it was going to be a way mm-hmm. for God to mold me mm-hmm. into who he wanted me to be.
2: Amen. Thank you, honey. Look, the last point is this, real quick. Um, well, first of all, today's Lena's birthday. She turned one today. (laughs) Yeah, that's our miracle baby. The fourth thing is this, courageous faith leads others to the faith. Look what happened. Here's the entire theme of Daniel chapter 3. The response in verse 28 when Nebuchadnezzar says, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. See, because when we're in our hurt, when we're in our trial, when we're in the situation in our suffering, the world is watching how we as believers are responding, how we're handling it, how we're asking for prayer, all those things. And we want them to be able to say, blessed be the God of Dina who delivered her from this time. Sometimes our greatest witness is how we respond when our faith is under fire. Because a courageous faith is a tested faith. And let me just close with this. Anybody heard the phrase, God will not give you more than you can handle? Am I the only one that's been told that when I'm going through something? That is an absolute lie. It is not true. It It is not true. The world has it all wrong. God will absolutely give us more than we can handle. Because he's with us. Because he can handle it. When they looked in there and saw four, that Jesus says, I got this. I got this, boys. He will give us more than we can handle. I love what Toby Mac says. He says, sometimes God will put a Goliath in your life for you to find the David within you. How do we live at peace in an anxious world? How do we stand firm in the fire? It's with a courageous faith. But a courageous faith is going to be a tested faith. Some of you have come out of something. You might be in the middle of something or something's just around the corner. And so obey God no matter what. Obey God even with what you're seeing. Even if you don't see him in it, obey. Trust him with the outcome. Trust him with the outcome. And lastly, Others will see it. And they too will give praise and honor and glory to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the life of Daniel and that we could look at it. And Lord, see how you you worked in the lives of Daniel and his friends. Lord, your word says to count it all joy and to thank you for the trials. But God, I just want to be honest and say, that is not easily done. But you are faithful. You are with us. And Lord, those times will test our faith. And Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would be found faithful. Ultimately, God, so that others will see you and give you all the praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.